Hello, and welcome to the Afro Reads podcast with your hosts, Amara and Ugochi. Afro Reads is a book review podcast that was created out of our shared love for reading African fiction books. We talk through its themes and try to tie its key messages to our African heritage, culture, and contemporary issues. We invite you to turn the page and let's begin. Hi, everyone. Thank you for catching us on another episode from our Afro Reads podcast. My name is Ugochi, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mara. Um, so we went all the way to Cameroon this time to read Behold the Dreamers by Imbole Mboe. Um, but first, before we get into the book, we want to go through some icebreakers. Is that cool? Okay, so these are super fast. Just answer the first one that comes to your head. Okay. What's the best trip you've ever had? The best trip. travel wise um i would say between greece for my brother's wedding in 2017 that was really nice greece is just scenic and it was nice because i was with family mm-hmm. and croatia which i went on last year again scenic views affordable quite cheap and yeah very serene like surrounded with a lot um with a large body of water i heard yeah um let's see if you could live anywhere in the world for one year where would that be um spain i don't know i just thought spanish people were cool and quite chilled as well um the weather is great so i would always yeah spain Mm-hmm. I have I've I've had like nice dreams of living in Spain, mm-hmm. even if it's quite annoying, like seeing like a lot of immigrants, like African immigrants, either selling tourist stuff or being on the street. But yes, yeah, Spain for me. Isn't that like Paris sort of? That's like, like Paris. That's like Paris, Italy. Yeah. That's like yeah. What is your spirit animal, or the animal who is most similar to your personality? I don't know. I've never been asked that question. <laughs> the answer is, I don't know. Okay. Fair. Okay. All right. So my turn. So I'm going to pick randomly. Okay. Do you have any hidden talents? What can you do? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. Are you one of those people that roll your tongue or like open one eye and can close one eye can you do that okay. oh you can do that there are some people that can't do that really yeah like, yeah if they find it difficult to close only one eye oh i guess that could be my hidden talent <laughs> <laughs> um you have to unlock your phone oh, sorry and um, what is something you hate doing hmm hmm i guess changing diapers <laughs> i can't imagine yeah but you have okay i was going to say you have a boy and a girl yeah because i was going to say the boy at least it's, it, it, there's this fear it sprays all over you whereas girls at least you don't have that problem yeah. but you just hate it in general in general of, of course anyway yeah what is the weirdest food you've ever eaten i love food i can't say there's a weird one i like weird food I ate frog legs and I really enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. In 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 when I lived in France, in, in, like ten years ago, mm-hmm. and it tastes like chicken. It's only in the end you're like, yeah, these are frog, frog legs. legs. Yeah. I guess mine could be fish eggs. I love fish eggs. The cav- caviar. The caviar. Yeah. yeah. I actually like it. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, I remember the first time I tasted it, and they're just like busting. Whereas I thought it to be something more like. The eggs, like the chicken eggs. Ah, uh, no. They, yeah, those are caviar, the busting ones. Yeah. Or if you, there's some fish that you get and they have the eggs inside. They're not like the ones oh, that they I serve. hate that. I like those. You know, ones. sometimes in sardines, there are like some yeah pieces of fish with eggs. Yeah, that can put me off for the really? whole day. I hate it. I love it. Really? <laughs> All right, so we finished this section. What's next? Um, current events or anything in the news or in the world that you want to share that has fascinated you? I don't want to share anything serious because I just think we have a lot of issues to deal with this year. Like 
praise god we've all left covid behind um and the ukraine crisis is ongoing sadly so i don't want to get deep but the one fact i heard of recently um on social media was that pimp my ride like everything about it is just not real apparently they make up the storylines um when they fix your car um sometimes they just fix it right there and then when the camera stops rolling like they just pack all the equipment <laughs> and then sometimes they make you pay for the stuff you fix sometimes yeah. and sometimes because of the regulations like they do things like uh giving you a popcorn maker in your car like because of the regulations of the road of, of that state like it's just impractical most of the things they actually mm -hmm. install mm -hmm. so they usually have to remove it or it just makes the car not drivable yeah i always wondered about that like how is it that this person can have these tinted windows yeah but i can't yeah <laughs> then they start cracking jokes online that if you literally say oh i have cancer don't put like a cancer drug intravenous machine in the car like right. that's how innovative like they went but, yeah yeah apparently half of things were just impractical and most times they didn't even fix the car like what was really wrong with your car because mm -hmm. you know they were just trying to create a lot of drama and like more attention with what they actually wanted to do so there's that and then apparently even the houses they use you know they come knock at your door apparently it's all staged that, that destroyed me i used to sit down there and watch it and yeah, just me too you know think of how lucky like you were to be chosen for the show mm -hmm. who's the host is it iced tea no exhibits yes exhibit i i i love exhibit but after hearing this i love exhibit but like him and then the story no fire the fire festival yeah the festival that never happened on netflix um jaru jaru and i'm just like how do these people sit there and i don't know why i've just pointed out these two people because i'm sure everyone in the world like I mean, all the celebrities have partaken in things that are not real but have to say it's real but yeah how do they sit there and just deceive the whole world and again not not those two in particular but i just wonder like did that cut me like you know just a whole conversation i have thoughts right <laughs> no not not now uh yeah so yeah that has just always been interesting it's just reality shows in general like you do know that there are people goading you to say something but you have to go around pretending to the whole world that no it's actually this thing that happened mm -hmm. but yeah anyway that was just a sad like you literally told my childhood when i learned about that yeah it's reality tv yes yeah that's yeah reality tv shows for you yeah. um i had i had really horrible things because i'm watching real housewives of lagos how is it oh my god do you watch it as I well it. how do you not watch I know. it it's I know. as dramatic as ever like i'm really impressed that the reality real, real housewives franchise is in africa and we're here to stay because it's really really good of course more drama but i do hear that there's a lot that goes on backstage, mm -hmm. you know, for you to actually on camera, on cue, bitch about somebody or backstab. Like the story is always aligned in such a way that there's a bad person. Apparently, like at the back scenes, they make their executives like goad them to fight. Sometimes they starve you, get you a little bit drunk mm -hmm. to be able to speak your mind freely. Mm -hmm. You know, they go around telling things behind your back so that you're it's pushed to the front mm -hmm. um yeah and sometimes they encourage you to play a part so be the bitchy one or be the bone collector mm -hmm. and then if you play your part well you might be invited for season two but it's just i don't know why more people are not talking about how unethical these things are yeah another housewife i don't know if it was an atlanta housewife where mm -hmm. she came out saying that too like oh they do provide alcohol for a purpose yeah. to get us drunk so that we can be able to go on camera and start fighting um, this person. And mm -hmm. they have whispered something in our ear for us to do that. So, yeah, it's it sounds unethical. I mean, I love reality shows, but damn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's me. 
So for the past um, maybe a month and a half, I've been watching the, the Johnny Depp trial. And it's so interesting to me because in the media, they've made it before the trial, they made it out that Amber Heard was a victim of domestic violence, that Johnny Depp was a wife beater. So he had a case um, here in the UK um, against the son suing them because they called him a wife beater and the son won. Oh right? no. Yeah, so to me it was like, oh yeah, is, is Johnny Depp a wife beater, you know? So I started watching the trial in the US and um, saw the evidence that they presented and everything and heard Amber Heard's testimony. And in my opinion, she comes off as a huge liar. Um, Give me a, do you know what? I never watched the trial, but since I've heard of this Amber Heard and Johnny Depp story, like, I feel like more people have been on the side of Johnny Depp. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I've never, I've never watched the trial, but at the same time, because you're in, into social media, everyone is taking Johnny Depp's side, and mm -hmm. I just wonder if, so, so, so some of you that have watched the trial, did Amber Heard even have any leg to stand on, or what, was it really just fake? Like, it's, you just watching the trial. I heard her scream and cry in the clip and I was like, oh, I don't, this looks fake, but I don't want to say it looks fake because I'm trying to be a devil's advocate. Okay, so let's look at facts that presented, right? For example, she took a picture mm -hmm. in front of the mirror and uh, one of the pictures presented, it didn't seem like she had that much of a bruise or wasn't that distinct. Mm -hmm. And then she said that she turned on the light and took the picture again and you see the bruise a bit darker, right? So then... We're like, mm, it looks like the same exact picture. Your hair is in the exact same place, mm -hmm. but you said that you've moved to turn on the light and come back. Okay, but you know, there's metadata in these photos yeah. to say what what time these pictures were taken, the mm -hmm. date, and everything. Same time. So what she she photoshopped most likely the picture. So that's one. That's uh, you know an yeah. example of her lying. And when, when confronted with that, she's like, no, I, I turned on the light and I took the picture again. But the facts say that this picture is the exact same picture wow. of this. And they really showed that in court, like the date, damn. They showed it, they brought in experts that knew about yeah. um, metadata stuff. Yeah. Wow. And she never, she would never back down. Mm. Caught in a lie, she'll never back down. Another one is... She said that she donated, she even went on a Danish television show and said that she donated however many million to mm. um, a charity organization. And present uh, in court when confronted, she said, yeah, I pledged the money. Did you give the money? Yeah, I pledged the money. But pledge and give are two different things. Well, in our business, we use pledge and donation synonymously. She, she would never like take accountability, wouldn't back down. So that's why it's so fascinating this trial because you see her lying really? consistently on stand because every all my facebook feeds were just i'm behind i heard this line i'm behind i'm behind i'm behind so i never really read it because i was like okay i know what's going on but i think one thing that stood out is that i saw videos of you know the alleged domestic violence and i was like how does somebody have time to have footage and footage and hours of somebody beating you you must either i'm not downplaying anything i'm like at this point you must have been saying okay i need to collect evidence, evidence. in a, like a conscious way yeah because you know you see her looking at the camera and then looking at johnny depp and then i, I think i saw a video of her like poking him to say something mm -hmm. so I, that's the one i found weird i was like i don't know if someone can do this then it's like that's why it's so important in some of these cases for these trials to be televised so that yeah. the media doesn't have the control of like spinning a narrative because that was clear in this case mm -hmm. and still the same those same media are saying you know believe amber heard still and her lawyer is still going on those sh uh shows saying you know we weren't allowed to bring in some evidence it was clear in the uk trial that Amber won, but he didn't sue Amber. He sued the son. So they just play on people who don't watch mm -hmm. the trial, don't know what's going on, and 
collect their facts from these news organizations, which is sad. Yeah, but just to say, like, we're all glad the 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 marriage ended. Um, yeah. Johnny Depp was also like not a good person in that marriage at all. Like, I don't know. Obviously, it wasn't his fault because he was addicted to drugs, but he too he he was a bit of a mess, right? So. We're happy for both their sakes and the sake of the world. Now we have our televisions back that yeah. the trial is over <laughs> and they are away from each other. Like anytime yeah. I think of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, I think of poo on the bed. That's, yeah, that's all like, I think about. Like that's how shitty like yeah, the whole situation was. So Yeah. It's just it's bad for both sides. Like yeah. for him to have that televised to the world, like his addiction and everything mm-hmm. is also, you know, so but he really he must it he must have taken him to a really deep place. Like I'm willing to tell the world I'm an addict. Somebody pulled on my bed mm. to clear my name because mm. this is ridiculous. So yeah, to him a name is more important than whatever else. Yeah. And it's nice that he won on a clean level. Everyone move on. I hear he's not even asking for the money. Like he's not even bothered. Yeah. He just wants to clear his name. Yeah. yeah. So that was yeah yeah good thing about that yeah so let's take you um through the book a little bit give you kind of a synopsis before we get into it do you want to yes so behold the dreamers is by mbolo mbue the author herself was an immigrant and was doing quite well in the u.s before she lost her job during the financial crisis So this book is largely based on her experiences around that time. So the book is based around a couple, Nenny and Jende, who moved to the United States from Limbe in Cameroon. And they moved with their very young son because they faced a lot of harsh criticisms from their family from even being together in the first place without being married. There's a lot of things there. They eventually got married, but they had a lot of severed, family ties and also um just the sufferings and the life in cameroon so they dreamed about moving to america which they finally did so the book starts off with them in, in their first years in america jende immediately got a job a really good job as a driver for an executive at lehman brothers and he had a really good relationship with his with his boss and the family the family was made of um clark who was his boss and then Clark's wife, Cindy, and their two boys, Vince and Mighty. Um, so things were going really well. Um, Nanny was schooling. She wanted to train as a pharmacist. And um, she eventually got pregnant as well. Um, so she was expecting a daughter. But everything seemed to be going well. Um, and then the financial crisis happened around 2007, 2008. As you guys all know, there was a financial crisis even in real life. And um, the families on both ends were experiencing a lot of pressure. On the side of Clark and Cindy, um, you know, just issues in their marriage deepened. Um, Cindy was drinking more and it became apparent that she had a really heavy, a burdened past life, you know, being conceived through rape and having a really terrible relationship with her mom and having to fend for herself early, marrying an executive where, you know, that, that gave her status, everything she didn't have as a child growing up. So she kind of held on to it so hard that she wanted to keep, you know, um, she wanted to keep face, sorry, safe face, like everything was going well in her family, like a Stepford wife, basically, whereas she was suffering from depression, um, high use of drugs and alcohol, and, um, yeah, was just unhappy with their, her, her family life. Her two boys were more dis. No, her first son was very distant from her, and Clark was barely at home because she was trying to do deal with work. And we found out later on that he might have been having affairs, or he was sorry, he was having affairs in hotels. No, my tell he was. <laughs> but um, so that all all that was going on in the background, and next thing you know, um, Jende lost his job because what was eating them in the marriage so cindy and clark's marriage kind of spilled over so cindy um wanted information about clark's whereabouts which which puts 
um, gender in an awkward position because he didn't want to tell on his boss. So the wife kind of influenced her husband to sack him and he got sacked and that affected Nenny and Jende's household because he wasn't without a job. He was looking for jobs during the financial crisis, which you know was really hard. I mean, even executives, they describe this in the book that even executives became drivers. Mm -hmm. So it was quite a competitive market. And it got so bad that uh, obviously uh, Nenny could never really go back to school because she had the baby and they were looking for funds. It got to the point that Nenny had to blackmail um, Cindy, which was kind of a very dark part of the book. Um, Cindy committed suicide a few days or a few weeks later. Well, not suicide. No, sorry, not suicide. She overdosed. She overdosed. Yeah. She overdosed because of the many, like, compounding issues going on. Um, Nenny obviously blamed herself. But finally, finally, they couldn't take the struggles of America and Nenny and Jende moved back to Cameroon. Um, so that was like just one of improv. So okay. sorry if I didn't okay. get all the points, but um, yeah, it was a very an interesting read. And again, me being an immigrant as well, moving from Nigeria, uh, and also being acutely aware of the financial crisis, especially in a crucial time where I was trying to get a job um, after graduating. Um, the book resonated with me in many ways. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear more, more from about your perspective yeah. yeah um okay so first let's talk about what we liked and didn't like about the book yes um do you want to go first what you liked uh what i liked so what i said is um the book resonated with me in the sense that it was so real like you know the decisions you had to be making in the midst of the financial crisis and the fact that you are an immigrant so to you this means more like doing well in the uk or america because you're coming from quite a lot of challenges you know mm -hmm. in your home country and you know not to say that all these countries don't have issues as well but you're just granted with new freedom so you're kind of determined to do well but the financial crisis came there were no jobs available and it just got harder to do things but the thing i like about this book is that it, it kind of has the same emotions you have, which is that even in the financial crisis, you feel like this is it. There's no way out. Whereas we are, we are in 10, 10, 15 years later, we're like, yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah we moved on. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, and this book describes you well, like you feel like you're stacked against all the odds and it's just not going to get better. Um, so she describes it quite well. Uh, as we are speak, speaking about, um, speaking about it, I was just, not angry but i was just very shocked about the ending like with all the energy nanny had and all the conniving and just the fact she was building up herself and didn't care in the world and she had noticeably changed in character from when she first came i i feel that the end was a bit anti of an anticlimax i expected her to break free and break out and be awesome in america and she her husband was like, yeah, let's move back. And she was like, all right, let's move back home. Mm -hmm. I mean, she struggled a bit, but... Yeah, she fought not to. But, but it's not just... to... It wasn't the fight I was expecting from Nenny. Right. You know? And as I was explaining to you, the author didn't even give us notice of when she started to change. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a, I guess as a human, there's only so much you can take. Like, the odds were stacked against them, and they were not able to... Their immigration process was was dragging you know losing money none of them were working at that point mm -hmm. you know i had another amount to feed so i guess you snap so mm -hmm. maybe the but the author really didn't give us time to adjust to the nanny that would want to go back to Kamele. yeah and her thought process of accepting mm -hmm. that yeah she built up the character to this girl is going to kill to be in america and she just gave us wah, wah, mm -hmm. okay let's go back so I don't know whether that is a snap or just something was missing in that respect. I don't know. She could have been just tired. That's what I'm time. saying. That snap. That yeah. I can't take it. Just yeah. I fought the good fight. I've even become a nasty person yeah. and blackmail people. I give up at this point. Yeah. So 
Um, so what I liked about the book was the, I guess the comparison between the two marriages of Clark and mm -hmm. Cindy and Jende and Nenny and how Jende and Nenny thought to themselves, oh, we'll never, we'll kind of never, never be like that couple mm. or these American yes. couples. We have it so good. Like we love each other. We respect each other. But then through the book, you see that kind of decline mm -hmm. and they kind of become what they didn't want to become yeah. towards the end before they move back to Cameroon. So I like that, um, I guess, dichotomy uh, and mm -hmm. comparison. Um, I didn't like, like you said, the ending, it kind of, she just kind of surrendered mm -hmm. and went, but we didn't see the, how she got to that surrendering place okay so we're on the same thing yeah so i agree with you i didn't like i didn't care for that part i wish we could have gone through more of her thought process with that yeah okay so the next question is why was it up to nenny to keep the family together yeah um again we were having this conversation before and yeah i've just always wondered and i guess Maybe it's the naivety of not being married in the first place, but it just always seems to be like the woman that has to give up her... Like, yeah, like, Nanny had a lot going for her. She was trying to read pharmacy, whereas Jenny didn't really have qualifications and could really only drive, it seems. Um, she was going to be a pharmacist. You could do so many things with that. Um... She was even trying to see if to go to the legal routes by marrying on paper. She was also trying to, um, you know, she had the opportunity. The, the author stated in here, like, they were offering her a job as a nanny. And, you know, working in the Clark and Cindy household was mm -hmm. not beans. Edward's household was not beans. Like, they would pay you well and make sure you're okay. She could have even just honed in on that emotional blackmail with, um with the uh, mighty right right but she did but the, um so she had those options right and at the end of the day you know she fought she did fight and she even got slapped by the end of the day it was her making that decision to go back tonight and to go back to cameroon and i just didn't get that she could have easily broken free and lived her life so what do you think i think that um i think that jende had the question was why is it up to nanny to keep the family together i think that jende also that question could be applied to jende too so i think they both had i guess the opportunity to keep the family together but maybe didn't agree on the way to do it yeah like I don't know, Jende didn't have anything going for him when he lost his job. Yeah. So why didn't he come, why didn't he just say, let's leave by you, Nenny. Let's do what you... So the option, so the option was to let Nenny, I guess, be in charge or yeah. go back to Cameroon. So his mindset is already like, I need to go back. I, I think I'm more powerful back in Cameroon. I don't want to take advantage of Winston, my cousin anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to be the one to take 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 from him and you know, I wanna be a man and take care of my family. Whereas uh his wife had these opportunities, um, but the opportunities weren't um what's the word? They're not viable, but they were viable. They they were viable, but who knows how long they would last. Who knows when she'll get into pharmacy school? Who knows how she'll be able to pay for it? So the opportunities are there, but it's not like uh, for sure opportunities. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Versus Jende is like, you know, going to Cameroon is for sure. We have money saved up in the bank. We can be okay for sure once we get to Cameroon for a certain amount of time. You know? Yeah, or do you even think it was some kind of atonement? Because I was just thinking... Like, um, at the end of the book, Nanny was quite harsh on herself because she kept saying suicide and um, Cindy's death is my fault and I don't want to take the job as a, as a nanny because mm -hmm. I don't want to do this to Cindy. Yeah. So I wonder if it was kind of like, uh, let me punish myself for this and, you know, accept that the U.S. has changed me in a way that I don't want it to be 
to be changed. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back and reset. I mean, mm-hmm. they are still going to use. I think some okay. I think Nanny wanted to give it to charity, the money to charity. Yeah. Jenny said no. no. So <laughs> maybe okay. So maybe she was sort of really, really feeling bad. Like, if I take a moment here, I have to realize that America is changing me in ways I don't want to be changed. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do a reset. Mm-hmm. But I guess the bigger question is just like, we don't have to realize that the value people place on family units and marriage is so much bigger than we think but we'll yeah. answer it in the next question yeah yeah okay so the next one is i guess how did nanny's character change over time yeah um in the well we kind of talked about it in the beginning she was all for supporting her husband getting the job when he got the job he was so happy she was so happy um she just made sure that his spirit was okay while also going to classes and she didn't have to work her husband provided mm-hmm. for her um so she became and she looked at american marriages as like she kind of looked down on american marriages so over time i think she just kind of got that sense of freedom mm-hmm. like you said earlier she was i guess pushed into being more independent and so when she tasted that independence she felt like she could do more which meant um I guess talking more like she talked to the pastor about their mm-hmm. situation even though she wasn't even though she mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to she blackmailed cindy and got money extorted money from her um she was just pushed to do things that she felt was for the family but not um i guess the correct way of doing things i don't know yeah but so i think she pushed so you're absolutely right and i agree with you but i think even more so like is that freedom you're talking about like i have i've tasted this freedom i'm not going back and i'm going to protect myself and do what i can to preserve this freedom so i'm going to lie cheat still go back and i think that's what she tries to do so as as you said she started talking to the pastor um you know considering all these weird options like marrying on paper and things like that and she was ready to do do it all but where's the limit when you have freedom? There should be, I mean, freedom comes at a cost. So how much are you willing to lose to get that freedom? I don't know if she would have had a limit. So that's, I think that's what she asked herself in the end. Mm-hmm. Am I willing to lose? And that's why I say like, it's so interesting. The amount of energy and value that is placed on marriage and family units versus your personal freedom so i think that's what this book was all about yeah even looking at clark and cindy but it was just more like i am free i can be free to live i can be free to do what i like but it's going to come at the expense of i'm going to divide my family i'm going to have to struggle for custody for my child jende is not going to be in any way of the picture because he's not even professionally trained Mm -hmm. so he's either going to go back to Cameroon or he's going to be of a lower status so we're going to break up somehow mm-hmm. and it's just deciding if your personal freedom is worth marriage even in like an immigrant immigrant setting where freedom should mean the most to you mm-hmm. like the only person that got away with it was Vince yeah ah. the only person that said fuck it I'm out of here you guys should just leave me the hell alone yeah was vince and he seemed happy but you can see that he he kept by the end he kept like coming back slowly just crawling back so that's the only person that successfully in the book went away cindy died even that guy the executive like only started to appreciate his wife really after she had died and decided to move back with his family by the end of the book mm-hmm. um so the only person that so it's very i think yeah it's very strong how much effort you put on this family and marriage and even if obviously there are people in like our modern world that question the value of marriage and family this book shows that it is strong like no matter the level status whatever whatever it is strong it's still here to stay so would you say that you have to sacrifice sort of your freedom yeah. for family? See Cindy. You yeah. just need to look at Cindy. 
I mean, hers was a bit face value. It was really more, it's not even just family and marriage. It was appearing happy. You had to appear happy and nice and rich and had all the money in the world kind of thing. But yeah, at the end of the day, she was rocking inside out. Like she mm -hmm. was just in a really bad place mm -hmm. until she died. That was that. Yeah. There should be a balance between freedom and family, which I think everyone should kind of would try to find, especially mothers. <laughs> um, yeah, I think in the average world, that's the way it is. I think it's a yeah. constant battle, but I think the book really drew out two extreme cases where you don't even have that option of balance. There's no option. Immigrants in, in the way of Jende and Nenny are in such a hard position that you have is is flight or fight or flight yeah it's not a middle balance it's mm -hmm. either you go marry for paper and break up the family mm -hmm. or you just stick together and just go back to a cameroon and strategize but there's no i have options available there's yeah. nothing and then mm -hmm. you see in this case as well you're just in the limelight you socialite but yeah maybe the rest of us that are not in those two categories extreme categories can we figure out today how to do that balance. Right, right. Mm. We have, we have options. Mm -hmm. in, yeah. Um, so let's compare and contrast the two marriages. Yeah. So um, Cindy and Clark, to uh, Clark works on Wall Street, very wealthy. Mm -hmm. Cindy is a stay-at-home mom, mm -hmm. right, uh, and a socialite. Um, but she's extremely unhappy. She's depressed. She suffers from depression and she takes drugs. I guess probably to suppress, you know, herself. Mm -hmm. um, but she's described as a lovely mother. Mm -hmm. um, and very generous. Very generous. So she seems like she's loved. Um, and she likes to, like you said, put on the front and also like accommodate people. Mm -hmm. um, but very depressed. And she cries out for her husband. Her husband is always in the office, mm -hmm. it seems. He, and she suspects that he's having affairs. Um, so she's always crying for his attention. Um, and then the marriage of Jende and Nenny, they have good communication, it seems like. They tell each other everything. Um, they kind of make decisions together mm -hmm. in the beginning. Um, their marriage seems very lovely. Uh, but in the end, their marriage sort of deteriorates before they move back to Cameroon because Nenny doesn't want to go back, and Jende has is fed up with fighting in the U.S. and fighting for his immig their immigration. So they're they're torn with that decision. Um, yeah, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I guess the similarity for me was just more of I just liked the fact that I just again not liked hated the fact. Sorry, it goes the, to the beginning of that question like. It was always the women that had to succumb and then the man you know it's, we were talking about this this preservation of family and marriage like the man typically 99 percent sits at the head so when we talk about preservation of marriage and preservation of family when a man is preserving the family and and marriage to me he's just preserving his role right because he sits at the head so if you're if a king is preserving his kingdom then that doesn't change much right but it's the wife that has to realize that she's going to first of all have to give up her personal freedom and then she's going back into this nice family marriage scenario but she's not even going to be in charge it's still going to be she's going to have to default to her husband and to me that was very stuck in both marriages just the fact that the woman's needs cindy was as you said cindy was weeping for help every day like with like mucus coming out from her nose and you know having to have to take drinks drink the, the one that like all your staff knows about it that laughs about it mm -hmm. you know she was crying out for help and clark didn't we didn't see one ounce of emotion till she died and it's the same thing with jen day like which i keep saying that it just seemed that nanny had more opportunities but 
one day i'm not saying that it would have been right but for one second he never considered let's sit down and put two and two together let's let's really think about this and see if you know nanny taking charge i mean the day she took charge she cheated some she <laughs> she basically extorted money from somebody but she, they never really sat down and said okay if nanny was in the driver's seat how can we navigate navigate this let me sacrifice it was just never an option in the two marriages and i found found that very profound it's almost like especially for women personal freedom or whatever versus keeping and maintaining the family life and i just wonder if yeah there should be alternatives like again this balance you talk about yeah well okay so let me play devil's advocate when we say that we give up our freedom and men sit at the head of the family. Do you think that men, um, not that they, do they want to, but how are they feeling at that head? Because it comes with its stresses. They so are they, they, they feel great. They feel, because you, ha you have to admit, even if I'm saying men, 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 please, I'm not a man basher <laughs> or a babe. I'm just, me too, I'm just playing devil's advocates, you know, but like, how are they supposed to feel? It's their position. They're at the head. I just feel, let me just tell you. Mm -hmm. So I was on it. I was speaking to someone on the phone on hinge. Yeah. And I was speaking to him and I was like, I just don't get certain things. Why? Like, you know, in a marriage, you can't be seen as a partner. It has to be wife, husband, and then you have to default to the man's decision. And I was like, why is that? Why? Like the, the Bible doesn't help explain these things. And he was like, because, He's just a man and i'm like what <laughs> this is what i'm saying like that question you've just asked me yeah a man has never had to think about the alternative because right from when he was born he's that because he's the man like what what do you want me to say do you understand so if you're asking me how i feel at the head there's been never an alternative because i'm just there so i don't know hmm do you see what I mean? It's never been a question. So that question you asked me, it's, it's just be about his ego, his pride. You know, how will he feel? Yeah, he would lose his pride and his ego. That's how he'll feel. So he doesn't want to do that. So he'll always try and be at that level, talk. Because that's what he's been taught. Taught to do, conditioned to do, and that's that. I also think that internally within men, they are like... Um, what is it predators i guess they'd like to go out and yeah yeah we talked about that yeah. obviously like being the hunter the mm -hmm. farmer the women were the fruit gatherers stayed at home even like in australopithecus times <laughs> so um that's fair that that that's understandable so maybe i'm just like you know beating a dead horse it's just nature that there's a hierarchy and maybe sometimes as feminists or as people of modern times we forget that and we try and shift things a bit but at the core maybe it's, that's just that yeah i i personally think that it's just nature and as as i guess modern women we try to force ourselves to be a certain way mm -hmm. and it takes it might even take more energy than it should for us but less energy for men to do yeah I don't know. It, it's uh, it's always going to be a debate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's next? Um, so which character to you stood out the most? Uh, I loved all the characters. And I think the good thing about the book was that she really tried to develop each and every character. Like, I always knew more than I should know. Even the housekeeper, Anne, Anna, I knew she was a grandmother and she lived with had grandkids and had daughter or something like that like you always know you know what's in Mighty's mind vince's mind but the one that stood out for me is winston um i like the fact that he always leaned to his you know less than exposed cousin who was jende you know he helped them um immigrate to america and he was just quite protective of them gave them really sound advice set them up um 
and even when they were set up a bit like he invited them to parties mm -hmm. i was telling ugochi that he didn't have to do that he could have just brought them to america and ghosted them because they were his african cousins or fresh off the boat or maybe just use them to get like traditional food but really just left or not invited them to parties but i like the fact that anytime he was with he really rooted for Nelly. Nelly. There was a time he was celebrating yes. some achievements and he was like, You like I just I loved reading yes. it. So he rooted for them, he cried with them, and yeah, I just think he was awesome. I agree. He's a solid character. Yeah. Very sure of himself. Um mm -hmm. because it takes a lot of confidence to when you're at that level, he's a he's a lawyer on Wall Street. So he has money. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And he's um mingling with certain people. So for him to keep his family who are not, I guess, as wealthy or mm -hmm. don't have that status in mind and continue to invite them in, and you know, mm -hmm. he has to be a strong character who's sure of himself. So I appreciate him as a character. Yeah. Um, the one who stood out for me is the, their lawyer, Bubakar. Bubakar. <laughs> who happens to be Nigerian. Who happens to be Nigerian. Um, because I <laughs> looked at him as somewhat of a fraud. Um, because <laughs> because he kind you of think? he kind of he wasn't honest he wasn't as straightforward forward with them um, I feel like he was kind of leading them along to continue to get their money no but he did tell them it might work it might not work it didn't work what what do you want him to do that's that's true no 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 but I get you because that reason of oh my father in law is chasing me and puts me in jail like come on come on. But did it work though? No, that's what I'm saying. It was such a stupid excuse. Yeah. Like, why would your lawyer do that? Even myself, I was like, this is not going to work now. Like, even in the beginning of the book, there is there's so many reasons <laughs> they could have given. Like, my my hey God, my hey, it was so. Why can't you move to a different part of Cameroon if it's chasing you? Like, yeah, yeah, it's just like silly. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that was a flaw in the beginning. Like, maybe that's where they could have been suspicious about um on yeah mm -hmm. um and maybe i'm just biased because i know my people not all of them not all of us are like that no but i, I could just you know i think I'm, I'm biased maybe with that character i just didn't like his character yeah i i agree i think it's just weird because he just basically told them, which is probably true. I don't know. I'm not in the American process that, oh, this is going to take forever. Yeah. So what that means is that he's just going to be on someone's payroll forever for like a long period of time. Yeah. And maybe I'm biased also because he's a lawyer and I know how some lawyers work in the U.S. especially. So, yeah. Yeah. Ubakar. You got to <laughs> love him and hate him. <laughs> Um, Zuri, that's the, that's all of our questions. Is there anything else that you want to add? No, it was just a nice little read that reminded me of my time um, moving to the UK in the first place, like oh, yes. 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, like those first five, six years. And um, obviously, I didn't have a hard struggle because I went to to uni and I've always been British, but that mind as an immigrant, you know, coming into from all the constraints, I went to a boarding school in Nigeria. Security is always an issue. Religion, you know, ethnic, whatever, all packed and loaded in someone's teenage brain. Mm -hmm. And then you come to the UK and for the first time, there's freedom. Like you can plan, you can get a job easily, even as a 16-year-old. You can move around on the street, you can save, you can, you know, there's a system... It, it's, it was so liberating. I can't even express it. So I understand when Nanny at some point wanted to beg, rob, kill, cheat, steal to just keep that status going. Mm -hmm. um, that's why it was disappointing. She gave up yeah. the fight. But yeah, um, yeah. so that that's why I think it, it was a nice read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you were talking about that earlier, I understand because going tonight for me visiting nigeria mm -hmm. and seeing kind of the insecurity um even insecurity if you're robbed mm -hmm. 
who who are you going to call um yeah that applying to something there's no like sure way of getting somewhere or something attaining something so it's frustrating and once you have that security somewhere else why would you want to why why would you want to jeopardize that right especially when you have a, a fan like a child mm-hmm. as well so yeah i i didn't like what many did but i understand for sure i really do i get yeah. it um but yeah, and I like the book because there's just no right or wrong immigrants. Mm-hmm. I think we said that in the last book as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always gray. It depends on people's circumstances. We mm-hmm. don't know what was happening in Nenny and Jende's mind for them to just go back to Africa. But there's no right or wrong. Um, I like the fact that they already started painting their picture in Africa even before they reached there. So yeah. they have things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, staying on that bright side really... I think Michelle Obama, a lot of people say this about hope, you know, just envisioning the future, having that hope, even just speaking it and thinking about it to bring it to life. It really plays a lot in, you know, how we wake up every day and just go about our activities. So mm-hmm. I like that fact they had already started painting it in their head mm-hmm. to be optimistic. Even if you and I know that, we know that after five years, that $20,000 they got to finish. Yeah. But... They didn't write about that part, so yeah. it's fine to <laughs> dream. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they can put in some investments, farming. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, but I was actually rooting for them to go back to Cameroon because they have family there. Um, and there, nothing beats family as well and being around family. So I don't know. It's, it's tough. Yeah very tough yeah so that comes to the conclusion of this episode um you can catch us on facebook instagram twitter and our youtube channel at afro reads podcast um and our next book is all blood is at night all blood is black at night all blood is black so look out for that one thank you again for joining us and we will see you soon see ya bye